0: your Church um I just want to start by saying thank you to David and to Nicola for um for giving me this opportunity I um I do get a little bit nervous so just bear with me but um it's um it's a great privilege to be able to speak and to share the words so um you know and I don't take the responsibility lightly so so thank you for trusting me with it um so, if anyone doesn't know me, my name's Adua. Um, I have been part of Vineyard Church for about six years now. My husband, uh, Georgia and I—we we joined the Vineyard Church in Carlisle um, when we moved across there, and it was it was wonderful. And um, we we just loved being part of that ministry. And when we moved back to, to Newcastle three years ago, we joined LVC, um and we haven't looked back. Um, and yeah, we've just we're, we really love serving, and we really love being part of this fellowship. So. Um, Today is particularly special for me because today is Ronnie's birthday. Ronnie is my eldest. He's eight today, so if you see him, just give him a little high five. Um, and yeah, it's I've been reflecting on um, on my journey with him, and I actually can't believe he's eight. That it makes me feel quite old. Um, I don't <laughs> I don't quite feel like I should be old enough to have an eight-year-old. But um, yeah, it's just been it's been wonderful watching him grow. It's been. A journey um, you just kind of blink and I was looking at him thinking like how how did we get to this point point? Um, and I'm slightly concerned that I'm going to blink again and he's going to be going to university or getting married or something so I'm just bracing myself but it has been a journey and um, I still very very vividly remember bringing him home um, and looking at him and thinking like just feeling so much like love and responsibility but also just like total terror, absolute terror at the fact that I had to keep this person alive and I was going to be responsible for, for bringing him up. But you know, I thank God that we're, we're still here and that we've had God with us all the time. Um, he's been on this journey with us. Um, and, and it has been a journey. Watching our children grow is a journey. And it's a journey for us as well because we, we definitely grow with them. I know I'm not the same person that I was eight years ago when I brought him home. Parenting is uh, not, not an easy journey. its um, It has its ups and downs and it has its twists and turns. Um, and there are times that I have felt like I've got it all figured out. And then there's other times when I've realized that I absolutely haven't got it all figured out. Um, I think about things like um, watching him take his first steps you got all, all this to come with the um, lots of lots of new babies in the church, which is wonderful. And like I, I can vividly remember it. That's a memory that's going to be burned into my, my mind forever. Um, and other things like like potty training, which which is possibly the the worst thing I think I've ever ever experienced. It is I can't even put into words how awful it was. Um, <laughs> so brace yourselves. Um, but we're still here. Um, and God has been with us through it all. But what I've realized through it all is how much I need God. Um, I, I don't know how people do it without God. I, I really, really don't. Um, he's been there. And we're, we're privileged. We are privileged, every one of us, to have the God who made the universe as a friend and somebody that we can go to who helps us in that journey. It is a massive, massive privilege that we shouldn't, shouldn't underestimate it all. So getting into the talk. Um, In this season um, as a church family we've been looking at Psalm 23 um, and it's possibly the most famous passage of scripture um, in the Bible. I think everyone here would have read it at some point or heard it spoken about in in some context but the wonderful thing about, about God and about the word of God is that it is limitless. It doesn't matter how many times you hear something, God is always able to to uncover something new he's able to give you something new that you hadn't received from it before um and last week David um David spoke on Psalm 23 and um I couldn't be here but I watched it um online and you know he spoke about the overflow of God and he spoke about tapping into the rest as well and the rest from God um and so if you haven't listened to it then please please do um check it out online I am hoping to continue the discussion today um, and thinking a little bit about our journey with God in the context of Psalm 23. So let's start by, um, by reading that. So Psalm 23, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. So our, our Christian lives are our journey, and we're called to walk with God and to journey with Him. And if we, if we look through the, the Old Testament, we see characters such as, um, as Enoch, such as Noah, such as Abraham, who were all described as having walked with God. Um, we see other passages of scripture there's um, a a few examples Um, Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 33 God's people are invited to walk in obedience with God Um, I like how the the NLT puts it it says stay on the path that the Lord has commanded you to follow likewise in in Micah chapter 6 verse 8 there's an instruction to act justly love mercy and walk humbly with our God um, and it doesn't just end with the Old Testament. We see a very similar picture being created in the New Testament. Um, we have Galatians 5.25 that says that we should live and walk by the Spirit. We have Romans 8.14 that speaks of those who are led by the Spirit, being the children of God. And then in Hebrews, that kind of steps it up a pace. And it says in chapter 12, verse 1, that we should run with endurance the race that's set before us. So our Christian lives are a journey. And just like parenting, it comes with its ups and downs, um, and its twists and its turns, but through it, we are called to walk alongside God, um, and we have the confidence that he orders our steps as we're going. But how does that relate to, to Psalm 23? Well, in Psalm 23, David acknowledges God's role in that journey. In verses 1 to 3, he says, the Lord is my shepherd, and he says, he leads me beside peaceful streams, and he guides me along right paths. But when I was reading this passage, the thing that struck me is what follows immediately after that. So he says, he guides me along right paths, and then he goes on to say, even though I walk through the darkest valleys, I will fear no evil. Now the kind of commoner translation, the King King James version that we've probably heard kind of makes it sound really sinister. It says, even though I walk through the the valley of the shadow of death, it, it sounds pretty terrifying, but That whole passage sounds a bit of an oxymoron to me. He says that God was leading him on the right paths, and yet he still found himself walking through a dark valley. Now, the scripture doesn't say that when I walk through dark valleys, that the Lord rescues me, or that he snatches me out, or that he reroutes me. It it doesn't say that he's kind of waiting for me at the end, and that he receives me back, or that he forgives me. It says, he guides me along right paths, So even when I'm walking through the dark valleys, I have no reason to be afraid because the Lord is with me in that place. So with that in mind, I I wanted to entitle this talk Right Paths, Dark Valleys. And what I was hoping that we would do over the next couple of minutes is just think about what it means to walk with God through dark valleys. So our Christian walk is was never meant to be kind of a stroll through the meadows um, it's it would be nice if that were the case and there are times when when it is like that but not all of the time and if we we read through scripture when we we read about the characters whose lives were recorded for our instruction we see that not one of them had an easy path they had mountains and they had valleys now, as imperfect humans, we can sometimes find ourselves in the wrong place. If you know, we can get distracted, we can get frustrated, confused, Sometimes we're just, we're just plain rebellious, and we find ourselves in places that we were never meant to be, some pretty dark places, um, and I thank God, you know, that, that he is that good shepherd that Jesus spoke about in his parable, that he, he leaves the 99, and he searches until he finds that one, and, you know, I know I've been there. I've definitely been that lost sheep, and I, I'm grateful to God that he, he came, and he found me, and he brought me back. But even since then, as I've been walking with God, I have still found myself in some dark valleys, places that I I never expected to be. And and I'm sure that I'm not alone in that. But the truth is, is that being in a dark valley isn't always because we've strayed away from God or because we haven't heard Him or because we've lost our way. Sometimes the dark valley and the right path are one and the same. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 to 14 says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. So we know that the way to eternal life involves passing through some dark valleys, because the scripture says the gate is narrow and the way is difficult. So, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about a particular type of dark valley, which I'm going to call the wilderness experience. So, the, the wilderness is a very significant part of our, our journey with God because it's a place of forming, and it's a place of testing, and it's a place of growth. Um, and I'm going to pick up on two kind of contrasting wilderness experiences that are spoken about in Scripture um, and think about them in the context of Psalm 23. So the first is Jesus, um, and the, there's a, a wonderful account in Matthew chapter 3, which describes the baptism of Jesus. Um, and We have this scene where we have, um, we're on the banks of the Jordan River, and you have John the Baptist, who is all kind of passion and fire, denouncing the Pharisees and preaching the kingdom of God. And, and then Jesus comes in, and John agrees to baptize him to fulfill all righteousness, So he baptizes Jesus, and as Jesus is ascending from the water, the spirit comes down, descends on him in the form of a dove, and we hear a voice, the voice of God from heaven, declaring, this is my son, my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. And it's uh, an amazing and and profound scene um, of Jesus being announced as the son of God and kind of the beginning of his earthly ministry. it, It must have been incredible. But then there's a bit of a curveball, and something kind of unexpected happens. The very next verse um, after these events, Matthew chapter four, verse one, tells us, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. So the same spirit that had just descended on Jesus in kind of recognition and blessing then seems to turn on him and lead him deliberately into the wilderness, for something to happen that we would generally kind of consider to be unwelcome, a temptation. So why why would he do that? Because that encounter, that temptation was part of Jesus' right path. We know that Jesus spent 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness and there was a purpose to him entering into the wilderness at that stage of his life and ministry. And and we know the account of what happened during that that time. Jesus fasted, and during that time, the the devil came to him and tempted him with food, with power, with worldly recognition. But the father in love knew that he had prepared his son for this. Psalm 21 verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. Jesus had everything that he needed to be able to rebut the, the devil's temptation. He had the word of God. So for each temptation, he rebutted it by knowing the word of God and applying it rightly to that temptation. You know, the, the devil tempted him to, uh, with food. He, said, he told him to, to break his fast and to eat. And Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by the word of God. He used the word of God to rebut the devil's temptation and the enemy knew that there was nothing more that he could do and in Matthew 4 verse 11 tells us that the devil left him and the angels came and ministered to him. God was with Jesus in that wilderness and I can only imagine the the joy and the pride that God must have felt watching his son and seeing him remain faithful through such a difficult time and and more than that God knew that in being able to resist the temptation toward prioritizing his own desire for comfort, for independence, and for recognition, Jesus was being prepared for a far greater test when he would have to sacrifice all of that and much more for for God's glory. Jesus' right path was through the wilderness. The second example that I wanted to to give was that of the the Israelites, which was a a very, very different wilderness experience. So to put it in context, the the Israelites had spent hundreds of years enslaved in Egypt. God had sent Moses with Aaron to rescue the people out of the hands of the Egyptians and, and out of exile, and God had sent plagues culminating in the angel of death, the tipping point for Pharaoh who finally agreed to let the people go. So they come to the edge of the Red Sea, which is a huge expanse of water that was hundreds of miles wide and deep. And at the command of God, Moses stretches out his hand and the waters part, allowing the Israelites to cross on dry land. The Egyptians chase behind, and God finishes the job by returning the waters, and that's the end of Pharaoh and his army. The Israelites are free, and they sing songs of praises to God, and I mean, it was a truly incredible series of events. And then in Exodus 15, verse 22, we're told that Moses led the Israelites away from the Red Sea and into the wilderness. They had a destination. They were heading to the promised land. That was the land that God had promised to their forefathers and had promised to return them to. And the way to the promised land was through the wilderness. That was their right path. But as we know, something went wrong. In Deuteronomy chapter one in verse two, it says, normally it takes only 11 days to travel from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea, going by the way of Mount Seir. So Mount Sinai was the place that God led the the people to, where he gave Moses the 10 commandments, which was kind of their foundation for, and guideline for right living with God. And Kadesh Barnea was on the edge of the promised land. And that's where the people had camped and where they sent out the spies to scope out the promised land. So it it shouldn't have been a long journey from there into the promised land. But the passage continues. But 40 years after the Israelites left Egypt, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses addressed the people of Israel, telling them everything the Lord had commanded him to say. The Israelites spent 40 years in the wilderness. Why? Why, when they were standing on the edge of the promised land, did they spend another 40 years before they entered? The Bible tells us it's because, because they wandered. They so quickly forgot everything that God had done. They, they forgot about their rescue from Egypt. They forgot about the miraculous crossing the Red Sea. They forgot um, how God had provided bread from heaven and water from a rock. They forgot everything. Um, but more than that, they forgot that God had promised to be with them Now, journeying through the wilderness could not have been easy. It was a dark and a difficult time. And the Israelites would have faced temptation. They were tempted with hunger and thirst. They were tempted with greed. They were tempted with the allure of false gods, tempted with pride, tempted with a desire to to make their own rules and to set their own direction. So they did face temptation. But the wilderness was a necessary path to get to the place of promise that God had prepared for them. And and God had a purpose for that route. But instead of trusting God at his word to get them there, they allowed fear to cripple them and to make them short-sighted. They chose to believe the report of the faithless spies um, who, despite everything that they had seen and experienced, still didn't believe that God was big enough to finish what he started. So they murmured and they complained. And because of this, God punished them by causing them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Numbers chapter 14, 34 reads, according to the number of days in which he spied out the land, 40 days, a year for each day, you shall bear your iniquity 40 years, and you shall know my displeasure. As God's people were not called to wander, We're called to walk with purpose along the path that's set for us, sometimes even run, but never to wander. So where does that leave us? Well, Jesus was the son of God. He was chosen by God to accomplish the most important task in history. And the Israelites were God's chosen people. They were set apart by him. And God led his chosen into the wilderness to face temptation. The scripture tells us that we're also chosen by God. In 1 Peter 2, verses 9 to 10, we read that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, we're God's own special people. And so if he led his people into the wilderness in times past, then we shouldn't expect to be any different. But we don't have to fear temptation. 1 Corinthians 10:13 reads, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. He always makes a way out. And, and even more than that, the Bible tells us that challenges lead to growth. In James chapter 1, verse 3, it says, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. The the ESV says, um, the English Standard Version, it says, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So we become immovable, we become unwavering, unshakable in our faith because it's been tested. There is growth that happens in the dark valleys. So what should we do when we find ourselves in the wilderness? Well, let's remember the words of Psalm 23, verse 1, that says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. More than anything, we need the word of God because its pages hold everything that we need to to navigate through this life and to run our race and to obtain the prize. There is absolutely nothing that we can lack when we have the word of God. And Jesus said, the words I speak are spirit and life. So God's word literally keeps us alive. We saw the example of Jesus, that when he was in the wilderness, the greatest weapon that he had in his armory was the word of God. He used it to counteract every lie the enemy had told him. And we can do the same, but in order to do that, we have to be prepared. So think about it this way, we can probably all agree that the the weather in the UK is um, questionable. (laughs) (laughs) It's not too bad today, actually. I mean, I keep thinking about scientists talking about global warming, and I'm sort of waiting for that to to get to us. It hasn't quite happened yet. Um, But there are places in the world where arguably the weather is even worse. Um, If you live in parts of the United States, such as Florida, you have to contend not just with rain but with tornadoes, possibly the most terrifying of all weather systems. So if you live in these parts of the world, you live your life in expectation that at some point a tornado is going to come knocking at your door. So what do they do? They, they build storm shelters underground, um, and they have sirens built into the streets and in public spaces. They teach their children tornado drills so that they know how to protect themselves if they're caught out. They're prepared. Because it isn't when you look out the window and you see a tornado that you should start getting your tools together um, to build a shelter. That's not when you start explaining to your children how to stay safe. By then, it's, it's too late. You have to already be prepared. Now, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Trouble is an inevitable part of life. We're going to pass through the wilderness, we're going to find ourselves in dark valleys. So, when that happens, we shouldn't be surprised. But if we know the dark valleys are coming, then we can prepare ourselves. Matthew chapter 6 verse 20 tells us us that we should store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. We need to fill up on the word of God. We need to know and understand scripture so that just like Jesus we can rightly apply it to the temptations of life. The scriptures are our treasures in heaven. They're our spiritual bank account that we can draw from in times of need. It can be It can be easy to underestimate just how much we need the word of God when we're in seasons of rest, when we're in times when things feel like they're going pretty well, everything's okay. But I would encourage us not to be complacent. Because by the time we see the tornado through the window, when we're already in that dark valley, it's kind of too late. We need to get prepared now. So I was thinking, um, you know, a lot about Ronnie today, as I mentioned before, today being his birthday. Um, But, you know, celebrating his birthday today for us as a family is nothing short of a miracle because, you know, we have been to some pretty low depths with him. When he was two and a half, he was diagnosed with a, a rare form of encephalitis um, which um, basically his immune system was attacking his brain um, and in the space of about 10 days he went from being a completely normal toddler running around playing to not being able to stand not being able to eat he couldn't talk he couldn't um, communicate he was on a cocktail of about 15 drugs he was being fed through a tube um, and that was our life in hospital for for several months and it, it was a very very dark place it was a wilderness, and for me, my, my faith was tested like it had never been before. It was a dark valley. But let me tell you, in those months, I saw the face of God. I, I experienced God in a way that I had never, never before. He was, he was so close to me. And that experience changed me in a way that I don't think anything ever could. It it taught me to trust God, and it taught me patience. It taught me that God's will is sovereign. It taught me what it actually means to have faith in God, and that I needed to hold on to the word of God. Acts chapter 17, verses 24 to 27 reads, He is the God who made the world and everything in it. And since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples and human hands can't serve his needs, but he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him though he is not far from any one of us. Now, the thing about being in a dark valley is that you you often can't see anything. You can't see the way forward. You can't see all the stuff that we've normally surrounded ourselves with. Everything gets stripped away. That was certainly my experience. Um, And in order to get through to the other side, you have to decide what you're going to hold on to. But the scripture tells us that even in that dark place, even when we can't see anything. If we reach out to God, we will find him because he was never far from us in the first place. Isaiah 30 verse 21 says that whether you turn to the left or to the right, even if you can't see anything, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. God is with you in the dark valley. It is so important that we recognize our wilderness experiences. You know, our lives have a purpose. Like Jesus, we have a commission. And our lives have direction. Like the Israelites, God is taking us somewhere. And sometimes God determines that the way to that destination is through the wilderness. That's his business, not ours. Our job isn't to determine the destination. And our job is not to outline the route. Our job is to be obedient And to follow the path, trusting that God knows the way and knowing where we're going. Now, as a result of my experiences with God, I've learned that when I encounter a challenge, something that tests my faith, um, whether it's uh, a conflict or relationship difficulty, financial pressure, hurdle at work, whatever it is, I've learned to recognize when this is a wilderness experience and to ask God, what is it that you want me to learn from this? What is it that you're trying to build in me through this experience that's going to get me to the next stage of my journey with you? Because I want to be in and out. I want to be like Jesus. I want to pass the test and graduate to the next level. I don't want to wander in the wilderness for longer than I was meant to be there because I haven't heard you, because I'm not listening. So let me tap into what it is that you have for me. Let me grow and then be on my way. And it takes... It takes patience and it takes trust to do that, but it is worth it. It's worth it. Romans chapter eight, verse 28, um, is my favorite verse in the Bible. Um, And it says that God is able to make all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. We are God's children and we're called to journey with him. Um, And as we do that, the experiences that we have, they work for our good. They strengthen our faith, they build hope, they breed trust, and they deepen our relationship with God. Wilderness experiences, they discipline us. Now, we know that part of parenting involves discipline, correcting, and love. Um, When we discipline our children, it's not to, to punish them, but it's to instill values, it helps them to develop responsibility, it corrects unhelpful behaviors, and it helps our children to become emotionally mature. Now, as God's children, his discipline to us is exactly the same. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 10 to 13 says, our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew how, but God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but become strong. Psalm 23 says, Though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. And the psalmist's words there are very intentional. It isn't the valley of death. It's only a shadow of death. It's an outline with no substance because Jesus, through his death, conquered death forever. Death no longer has any power over us, so we don't need to be afraid. So I'm going to finish by saying don't resent wilderness experiences and don't fear the right paths that lead you through dark valleys. Like the scripture says, take hold of them with a new grip and a new perspective and strengthen your weak knees. Trust that God is leading you by hand. When you're in that dark place and you can't see what's around you, just reach out and hold on to God because he's there with you embrace the opportunities for the testing of your faith to enable you to grow and remember that you have everything that you need you have god's word so let it be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path let god do his work in you in the dark valleys